0: As many of you know, I, your host, am a firearms instructor, and I run all of my firearms training business through shootingclasses.com, because it simply doesn't make sense to try to do it all myself. With automated roster creation when students sign up, payment processing and automated emailing to your students, reminding them of the class date and time, it simply doesn't make sense to try to do all of that by yourself. Get signed up with ShootingClasses.com today and take a big load off yourself. ShootingClasses.com WJS Guns in North Merritt Island is where you need to go for all of your outdoor needs. Firearms, ammunition, accessories, holsters, body armor, fishing tackle, and much more. WJS Guns also offers blue label pricing for law enforcement officers on multiple firearms brands. And above all, WJS Guns offers friendly, exceptional service to everyone especially to ladies and first-time gun buyers. For more information, check them out at wjsguns.com and tell them Royce sent you. heard the man. He said it twice. Let's go. We are locked and loaded on the Shooting Straight Radio podcast. This is the podcast all about firearms, the Second Amendment, and all things pertaining thereto, also known as Second Amendment University. I am Royce, your host and professor emeritus of Second Amendment studies, pouring it to you from both barrels with 100% felt recoil and no suppressor, baby. Got a very interesting program for you today. Uh, I tell you, I've been chewing on this for almost a week now, trying to make it all gel and doing a lot of research to bring it to you. So I hope you get a lot out of it. I as A lot of you regular listeners noticed that I wasn't able to produce an episode during the week. I had some issues with uh, my equipment and one of my mics was going squirrely on me, and we would record entire episodes, and they would come back all messed up. You couldn't hear me, or I would come in and out uh, on the recording, and it sounded pretty terrible, and I had to dump literally two episodes. And that was a lot of work to throw away. But you know what? Uh, we, we live, we learn, and we pick ourselves up, and we keep rolling, and that's what we're doing today. Also, shootingstraightradio.com, shootingstraightradio.com. If you don't have a regular platform to listen on, you can go there. And uh, also, you can email me there, royce at shootingstraightradio.com. Now, usually, I would direct you to the Shooting Straight Radio podcast page on Farcebook, but I am leaving Farcebook at the beginning of 2023. I am shutting off all of my accounts I am sick to death of them shadow banning my pages, shadow banning my radio page, uh, the radio podcast page, and uh, just basically tucking me into a corner, not allowing me to speak. You can catch me uh, on um, Donald Trump's new program called Truth Social. By the way, they have an app for Android now at the Google Play Store. You can download it there. They've had one for Apple. But uh, now they've got one for Android, so you can catch it there. You can follow me there at symbol Royce Bartlett at symbol Royce Bartlett. I will be posting the links to all the episodes there. So you can also listen on truth social. All right. Oh, yeah. One more thing. Voice of the blue podcast. Don't forget about that. You can catch that on your favorite podcast platform. It's being expanded out to multiple platforms. And you can catch it there on your favorite. Now, let's get into the meat and potatoes of today's program. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. I do like to dig deep into various issues regarding the Second Amendment and firearms and the history of it and things like that, as you already know. But I don't know if you've been paying attention to a recent ruling by a federal judge, one that has been kind of tucked back into the corners of the news world. Not too many people are talking about it. Uh, In this ruling, this judge applied the same history and text criteria as was used in the Bruin decision. It has some very powerful implications against the government's control over the firearms industry the retailers, and eventually the customers. This ruling has a lot of the same potential that the Bruin decision did in regards to hampering federal control over the firearms industry, or may I rephrase that, illegal, constitutionally illegal federal control over the firearms industry. Now, uh, I'm going to give you a corrupted version of the text of the second amendment. One that I intentionally corrupted just to make the point of this program. And I believe it will lay the foundation for it. Here we go. A well-regulated militia being necessary to, to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, as long as their arms are inscribed with serial numbers, shall not be infringed did you chew on that for just a second okay that is going to lay the foundation for today's program because when governments begin to force inanimate objects to bear serial numbers it isn't long before they start to do the same thing to their citizenry and that was proven back in Germany in 1935 all the way through 1945. Actually, well before that, uh, after the Treaty of Versailles, after uh, World War I, and there 19, uh, back in 1919. When the government places such importance on installing and maintaining numerical sequences on various machines, like vehicles, guns, etc., for the sake of making their control over the commerce, distribution, tracking, and power to confiscate those items more efficient, be assured that their motives are indeed insidious, they are totalitarian, and here in America, constitutionally dyslexic. When the government passes laws with stiff penalties to protect their mandated serialization of inanimate objects and all in the name, of course, of protecting the people. Then you know that there's something sinister in their designs because corrupt governments always pass laws to protect them and their power over the people never truly for the people. In spite of the fact that the original reason for assigning serial numbers to firearms here in America actually had nothing to do with the aforementioned insidious motives of control. The primary purpose of requiring serial numbers on firearms since 1938 was to enable the eventual registration of particular firearms to a particular individual and eventually to create a national registry. And we all know where a national registry will lead. Back in 1938, when the National Firearms Act was being debated in Congress and also in 1968, prior to the passing of the Gun Control Act, under some very immense pressure from pro-Second Amendment constitutionalists, the requirements that mandated a national firearms registration were removed from those two utterly illegal gun control bills by congress now i want you to chew on something here you remember the communist party was alive and well back in 1917 in russia and their agents immediately began to go out into multiple countries countries that were rich in resources especially like the united states and they began to work their ways into the various governments around the world that certainly happened here in the United States. Also, they also knew that in order to gain control of the population, the population would have to be disarmed. And so I can promise you that every person involved, every Democrat involved with trying to pass the national firearms act and the gun control act, they were being either Influenced heavily by communist agents or they were communists themselves And thus the thrust of these laws okay So I want you to let that sink in for just a second That the attempt to register and eventually confiscate firearms from the American people Began in earnest all the way back in 1938 Now, while the Democrat communists in Washington, D.C., weren't able to establish that registry that they wanted, that national registry, either uh, in either one of those laws, they did, however, unfortunately, gain significant government control over the firearms industry by mandating that serial numbers be inscribed on firearms. In the second of those two laws, that is the 1968 Gun Control Act, that was when they began to mandate that every manufacturer inscribe a serial number on every cartridge firearm. Uh, back in 1938, in the, uh, the National Firearms Act, removing a serial number or possessing a firearm from which the serial number had been removed those, were, those acts were made illegal under federal law. A mere three decades later in 1968, manufacturers began to be required to serialize all firearms that, cap- that were capable of firing a cartridge. Both of those provisions, the 1938 National Firearms Act and the 1968 Gun Control Law, uh, gun Control Act, I'm sorry, were copied from two of Germany's laws. The first one I've already told you about, the Treaty of Versailles in post-World War I in 1919, which in, Europe, in Germany was used to establish gun registration. And the second was the Nazi weapons law of 1935. Yeah, chew on that the Nazi Weapons Law of 1935. Yes, that's what our 1968 gun uh, gun control act was heavily modeled after. By, if you remember Mr. Christopher Dodd, a Democrat senator for years, uh, thank God he is uh, no longer up there in Washington DC, he has passed away, but f- prior to that his father also, a United States senator who was involved in the Nuremberg trials uh-huh. brought back a copy of the 1935 Nazi weapons law. Oh, my word. Yeah, I did, an, I did a, an entire podcast about that at one point. You'd have to go back and find it. I think it might have been one that was done on WMB when I was still live there. So the unstated purpose of mandating serialization of firearms in the gun control act was to lay the groundwork for future national firearms registration, which they assumed they would be able to pass not long after they passed those other two monstrosities. There were constant, I'm sorry, there were, there were instant consequences For the general public in this, as well as unexpected benefits for the anti-rights Democrat communists who were pushing these laws through, one of which was that crime immediately began to rise after the Gun Control Act of 1968, and it continued to rise for decades thereafter. Does this not sound familiar? Uh Uh-huh. You look at all of the states and the cities here in America that that have heavy gun control, what is their main societal issue? Violent crime. All kinds of crime, but violent crime begins to escalate where the people are disarmed or, uh, what should I say, hindered by the government in the keeping and bearing of arms, guess what happens? Oh, well, guess what happens then? Well, the people suffer, but the government begins to point to all those instances and say, see, we need more gun control. Uh Uh-huh. You see the snowballing effect here. It began back in 1968 with the mandating of serial numbers being applied to firearms by the manufacturers which gave the government increasing control over the industry. Now, I've pieced together portions from two articles by Dean Weingarten and one from the publication known as The Hill regarding serial numbers and the dangers thereof, as well as uh, comments from the judge in this recent ruling against federal serialization laws And uh, I'm going to tell you what This is incredibly interesting stuff You want to definitely listen and listen on purpose First, I want you to listen to my sponsors As they talk to you about the great products they sell And the works that they do for you They are all fine people I really appreciate having them as sponsors of the program Uh, Each and every one of them I do business with So I want you to listen listen to them now Do not go anywhere Because you know what's going to happen if you do Yeah, that's right If you're in Indiana, Sergeant Spaulding And his listener retention squad Will come pay you a visit Down here in sunny Florida Captain Rob and his listener retention squad They'll come pay you a visit So do not go anywhere Be right back on Shooting Straight Radio Podcast Counter-Strike Tactical is the best little gun store in Melbourne and proud sponsors of the Shooting Straight Radio Podcast. Visit us at 1008 Strawbridge Avenue and see the custom AR builds by Anthony Vallejo, owner and combat veteran, plus go-to weapons brand rifles, AR-15s, AK-47s, handguns, ammo, tactical rifle accessories, and more. Anthony also offers laser engraving and seropoder. So stop in at 1008 Strawbridge Avenue and visit the best little gun store in Melbourne or call 321-499-4949 and tell Anthony that Roy sent you. Life has a way of throwing unforeseen events and new opportunities our way. At Glover, Orndorff & Flanagan Wealth Management, they are dedicated to putting your interests first with a truly personalized approach. They are there to bring confidence to your investment planning choices. Whether you need income production for retirement, 401k guidance, long-term investments, or other financial planning needs, they'll focus on the establishment of a plan tailored to your life's priorities. For more information, call Bill Orndorff. Partner with Glover, Orndorff & Flanagan Wealth Management today at 321-344-1202. 321-344-1202. Investment products and services are offered through Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network, LLC. Member SIPC, Glover, Orndorf and Flanagan, LLC is a separate entity from Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network. Sicario's Gun Shop, buy, sell, or trade firearms Purchase Class 3 NFA items, custom builds, gunsmithing and cleaning, Liberty gun safes. Sicario's Gun Shop fully supports our military and law enforcement. Visit online at Sicario'sGunShop.com or in person at 5325 North Wickham Road, Suite 105 in Melbourne, Florida. Sicario's, where you come first for your second. Huge thank yous again to all the fine sponsors of the Shooting Straight Radio podcast. It would not be possible without you, and I cannot thank you enough. We've been talking about the serialization of firearms and a recent ruling that ruled against the enforcement of that federal law, that federal statute that was uh, enshrined in the 1968 law. They mandated that all manufacturers put a serial number on all cartridge firearms. As I told you, uh, I have pieced together portions from two articles by Dean Weingarten, who is a fantastic writer. Uh, You ought to look up some of his articles online. A staunch Second Amendment advocate, and I'm going to be trying to get a hold of him to have him on the program soon. Also one from The Hill, the publication known as The Hill. And we're going to also be looking at comments from the judge in this recent ruling against the enforcement of the federal serialization laws. And we'll start with Mr. Dean Weingart in an article out of Amoland.com, whom he writes for. He said the most dangerous use of a serial number on a firearm is as a registration number. In effect, gun registration is gun confiscation amen mr weingarten it was not the intent for which serial numbers were made they were created to track firearms with production changes and as a way for government arsenals to track the production and military use of weapons serial numbers were first used on u.s military weapons in 1865 they were first used on the famous winchester rifles in 1866 Back in 1938, a federal law was passed that made it illegal to possess a firearm with the serial number removed. But on October 12, 2022, a federal court blocked the enforcement of that law, calling it exactly what it is, unconstitutional. Amen to that. Now, I've added a few uh, little things here and there into the text as I read this article. So uh, it's not 100%, Mr. Weingard. It has a lot of Royce Bartlett in it too. I continue. He said the full impact of this decision has yet to be measured, but it effectively nullified this law that in actuality was, as I've already stated, originally established as a step toward national firearm registration. Here is the uh, part of the article that says, U.S. District Court for the Southern District of West Virginia, Judge Joseph R. Gordon granted a motion to dismiss the charge of possession of a firearm with an obliterated serial number in violation of 18 U.S. Code 922K as being, quote, facially Unconstitutional wow well here's an article from the hill that i interposed into this article is goodwin um goodwin or Gordon um hmm, maybe they got some names mixed up because i copied and pasted this anyway the ruling said that a firearm without a serial number in 1791 was not considered more dangerous or unusual than other firearms because the serial numbers were not commonly used at that time. Uh, Notice there the history text application. In other words, the Bruin type application. Yeah, I like this. I think the Bruin decision may have influenced this decision to a certain degree. Uh, The... Uh, the ruling continues. The Second Amendment was ratified as part of the Bill of Rights in 1791. The government argued that the regulation is a constitu- uh I'm sorry. The government argued that the regulation is constitutional because it because it is a commercial regulation that does not infringe on the right to keep and bear arms. But Goodwin, who was appointed to the Southern District of West Virginia by former President Clinton, ruled that the law is not a commercial regulation because it criminalizes the possession of firearms without a serial number, regardless of whether it is sold. Now, here's from the decision itself. And I do believe the judge's name is Goodwin, because repeatedly I'm uh for one, one text said gordon this one said goodwin so we'll go with goodwin on this all right well uh, judge goodwin gives some hypothetical examples regarding serial numbers and i'm going to read it verbatim he said assume for example that a law abiding citizen purchases a firearm from a from a sporting goods store At the time of the sale, that firearm complies with the commercial regulation that it bear a serial number. The law-abiding citizen then takes the firearm home and removes the serial number. He has no ill intentions and never takes any otherwise unlawful action with the firearm. Contrary to the government's argument that Section 992K does not amount to an infringement on the law-abiding citizen's Second Amendment right, the practical application is that while the law-abiding citizen's possession of the firearm was originally legal, it became illegal only because the serial number was removed. He could be prosecuted federally for his possession of it. That is the definition of an infringement on one's right to possess a firearm. And again, I'm reading verbatim from Judge from Judge Goodwin's decision. He continues with a hypothetical. He said, now assume that the law-abiding citizen dies and leaves his gun collection to his law-abiding daughter. The daughter takes the firearms, the one with the removed serial number among them, to her home and displays them in her father's memory. As it stands, Section 922K also makes her possession of the firearm illegal, despite the fact that it was legally purchased by her father and despite the fact that she was not the person who removed the serial number. These scenarios make clear that Section 922K is far more than the mere commercial regulation the government claims it to be. Rather, it is a blatant prohibition on possession. This conduct prohibited by Section 922K falls squarely within the Second Amendment's plain text. Wow. I like that. I like that. Again, let me give you my corrupted version of the Second Amendment. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, as long as their arms are inscribed with serial numbers, shall not be infringed. That kind of makes it gel for you right there, doesn't it? Let's pick up some comments then from Dean Weingarten from his articles that I'm referencing in this program. He said finding the law unconstitutional subverts the push for government control over firearms and amen to that. It should. The government should not have control over any industry, especially the firearms industry, because as soon as they took control and wrestled control of the firearms industry from the people with those two very egregious acts in 1938 and 1968 infringement began in earnest one of those being the mandate for serial numbers and first of all in 1938 outlawing the possession of a gun that has the serial number removed i'll continue with dean weingarten's statements he said suppose uh a person cannot be punished for merely possessing a firearm from which a serial number has been removed. In that case, the entire scheme for government control over legally owned firearms falls apart. I love the way Mr. Weingarten uses his power of deductive reasoning. It's awesome. He said there cannot be effective gun registration. If a person cannot be punished for possessing a gun with the serial number removed, the legal ability to possess firearms with serial numbers, uh, without serial numbers, I'm sorry, buttresses the deterrent effect of an armed population. If government agents demand that a person turn in a firearm that is registered to them, well, they can remain silent. In other words, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, don't you have such and such a weapon with serial number such and such such and such? Nope. Well, do you have any weapons? None of your business. Well, we want to see them. And maybe through force, they, and even at gunpoint, like the ATF is known to do, force the man to uncover his firearms and to show them. Oh, well, the serial numbers were removed. So what? Well, that's a crime. Well, not according to a ruling by Judge Godwin or Goodwin back in 2022, it's not. <laughs> well, we're taking these guns. Well, you can't. Well, these guns were. Re- nope, nope. Those guns were never registered. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to continue with Dean Weingarten's statements now. He says uh, if the firearm appears at some later date and the serial number has been removed, it becomes difficult to connect the firearm to the person it was registered to. It becomes difficult to punish a person for an act someone else commits with a firearm originally purchased by them. And by the way, thus the true intentions of the 1938 law are revealed. And for more revelation, proving the communists take incremental steps in their quest for totalitarian control. Uh, look at some comments by Mr. Nelson um, or also known as Pete shields of handgun control Uh, which sarah brady by the way took over after shields retired in 1989 and he laid out the plan in a comment from 1976 he said we'll take one step at a time and the first is necessarily given the political realities very modest we'll have to start working again to strengthen the law and then again to strengthen strengthen the next law and again and again well where have you heard that before besides right here from your humble host Yes, each law precedes the next law and the next law. He continued, our ultimate goal, total control of handguns is going to take time. Well, it would not stop at just handguns, people. He said the first problem is to slow down production and sales. Ooh, where have you heard that before? Oh, yeah, right here on the Shooting Straight Radio podcast. He says next is to get Registration. The final problem is to make possession of all handguns and ammunition, with few exceptions, totally illegal. All right, you see the incremental steps that the government likes to take, and also the civilian disarmament complex, like handgun control, which later became Brady. Uh huh. But Mr. Weingarten continues but when people cannot be punished by the government for possessing a firearm, whose serial number has been removed, this plan falls apart. I love it. He says, remember, serial numbers were not required on most firearms by the government until 1868. They were originally required on National Firearms Act weapons in 1938 as a means of registration of machine guns, short-barreled rifles, short-barreled shotguns, and silencers. People people talk about a coming registration here in America. People, It's been here since 1938. Do you realize that? That's right. Weapons, you have every lawful constitutional right to own that the government owns but says you can't but they'll charge you a $200 fee for a tax stamp. And then you'll have to pay an exorbitant price for the weapon itself, uh, up in the tens of thousands of dollars. Uh Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Well, you have the right, but you have to register it with us. Gun registration is already here, has been for a long time. Now, It's also been continuing by the ATF. You know this. We've been talking about it on this program. They are taking 4473 forms that have been turned in by dealers going out of business, not to mention sending their agents to photograph the bound books, uh, the acquisition and disposition records of dealers. Uh, We've been seeing video of that recently, and they're stealing information illegally, but just daring us to say or do something about it. And they're creating a national registry. They've had a national registry in place. This thing here with these serial numbers, I tell you what, I am uh, just about ready to break out my Dremel and shave all mine off. Yeah, I know you're listening, ATF and FBI, but now I've got a precedent to use against you. Mm Mm-hmm. The article continues, and as we all know full well, the primary purpose of gun registration is to enable the future confiscation of firearms when the government desires to do so. Oh, but of course that would only be from those that the government deems to be a threat. You know, uh huh. Yeah, yeah, like me and you, people who act, who actually adhere to and uphold and defend the Constitution. Yeah. Just like that Wow You know This subject is not done But that's all we're going to cover today On this edition of the Shooting Straight Radio Podcast This is part one of this series So make sure you stay in touch with your local podcast provider And wait for the next one to drop too You don't want to miss it And it all has to do with with the serialization of our firearms people it's far more insidious than we ever thought keep your head on a swivel out there keep in contact with your representatives and also never forget incoming rounds always have the right of way Royce out let's go